Barbara. Hello, Kristen. <laughs> Another one of those technical difficulty days. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting better at this. We are. Women on Top podcast. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in. I don't think I can effectively put into words what a suck past week and a half this has been. <laughs> oh, no. But we'll get to that in a second. Barbara, I love you. How are you? <laughs> a little low energy, but doing okay. I just, uh, the family's doing okay. My uncle unfortunately passed away on Friday and it brings oh. up these feelings of wanting to go back to New England and be with family. And, you know, it's difficult to transplant your entire life all the way across the country. So we're working through it and working through it with my boys and trying to make everybody feel a little better about not being able to hug grandma, you know? Yeah. Um, um, how are your sons feeling? I know one of them, when we spoke last week, the the death affected one of them uh, pretty, pretty seriously. And he had to come home from school. Yeah, it was a whole, um, he, he doesn't really like it when I talk about him online, but. Oh, okay. If you don't want to, that's to- fine. No, I will say it just that, again, it affects our entire family in that you want to connect with family when you have a loss. Mm-hmm. And no matter how you, you know, your relationships are with family, people come together when there's some sort of loss and we aren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was t- difficult for him and it's difficult for me, especially because it was my mother's brother-in-law and they were very close. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be able to support her and you know, all that. And it's tricky business trying to figure out where you fit in the family when you're across the country. Yeah. So, but we're managing, we're doing okay. And, um, we will miss him terribly. He was a wonderful man in a world that really needed wonderful men, Mm -hmm. especially for his generation. He was very open and very caring. And, you know, he had a love is love, um, thing for his profile picture with a gay pride heart. And, you know, for a man who was in his, I think he was in his late sixties, early seventies, somewhere around there in his seventies. That's pretty open-minded and he's a good egg. So you always miss the loss of a good egg to the world. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's hard on you. I'm sorry. It's hard on your son. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's great the way that you're um, being cautious about what you say about your kids online, because I am continuously shocked at, (laughs) The way people create um, create identities for their kids online, like they create a you know a newborn. Oh, look, we're gonna have an Instagram profile for yeah. my newborn baby. It's like this kid hasn't even he's been you know he or she's been alive a month, and already you have created a digital footprint for them, and they've given no consent for that. Yeah, it's definitely something I've had to think about. I used to post a lot of things called scenes from a family on Facebook. And it was little snippets of funny things that the kids would say or um, funny things that my husband and I would joke about with one another. And, and it was it was funny and innocent. And But as my sons got older, I started to realize they never, like you said, they never consented to do that. Mm-hmm. So I talk to them now about, you know, oh, I took a picture of you getting ready for the prom. Can I put it on Facebook? And sometimes they say yes and sometimes they say no. But I try to respect what they say about that because they're, you know, they're not just kids, they're people. <laughs> Yeah. And they're at an age where in a couple of years, they're going to be applying to colleges and, you know, where that stuff, not that it doesn't matter now, but where that stuff, what's online, their digital profile is really going to matter. Yes, I agree. So you don't want to be like, oh, my son just came home shit faced from the prom. And, (laughs) you know, you don't want to be putting stuff like that. I think it was, was it Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter? I guess Gwyneth Paltrow posted a picture of her daughter without her consent. And the daughter showed up in the comments. She said, mother, we've discussed this. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard it, because you feel proud of your kids or you feel proud of their accomplishments or you think what they said was really funny mm-hmm. and you just want to share it with people to make them smile or make them chuckle or whatever. And um, I would never do the one thing though that I really am against is the internet shaming of kids. Oh, yeah. You know, like the kid does something wrong at school. So the father shows up in a dress or whatever, and then takes photographs and puts it all in line. And is like, this is what you get when you cross me. You know, I, I'm not yeah. interested. It's in virtual, like it's virtue signaling. And if you, I, I love that if like, did you see the, that viral video of the guy um, singing, uh, let it go with his son and they were both dressed up. Oh, yeah. Now I, I do love stuff like that, but at the same time, um, 
I, I feel like, and this is really with anything, like when someone writes something like, oh, you know, I was out today and I saw a homeless person and I bought them, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, it's, they, they want head pats. They want to be told how great they are. Mm-hmm. And that's something that social media now provides. So it's great that they're doing these things. But when you start bragging about it and when you start going public with it, that sort of takes the intention away. It sort of dims yeah. it a little bit. Sure. So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. So how are you doing? How am I doing? Well, <laughs> so we spoke briefly last week about uh, Don broke up with me. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Uh, thank you very much. And I'm, uh, y- you know, the five stages of grief, how they're denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm at the A stage, but my A is in anger. It's annoyance. Oh. <laughs> and yeah. I, you know, I want, I still, I still want to see him as a good person. And I do think that he is. And mm-hmm. we're going to get into this and in something that we're, an article that we're going to talk about in a bit sort of brings us up. But, you know, I had, you know, he had basically said that he just, he just doesn't know, like, if he should be dating right now because he's, newly divorced and I'm finger quoting divorce because they haven't filed. Right. And uh, because for certain reasons, I'm not going to go into detail, but they haven't filed. They live separately. They have custody of the, you know, whatever. Um, but it became more and more clear to me that he still has a relationship um, as he should with his ex who he married to. Okay. I'm going to, I don't want to get too into detail. Right. Um, so they, let's just say they have a good relationship, and I'm glad for that. But okay. he still seems very entwined in that, in in her life and in her parents' life, right? And I just kind of feel like he knew from the get that he didn't want a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and then thought because he said this in an email to me that a follow up email to me about I didn't feel pressured. You weren't pressuring me. You're you know you don't you don't need a lot. Um, but I just felt like he said I could have kept going the way things were going, but I just felt like uh, that would make things harder down the road. And so I'm thinking, um, like that obviously means I just kind of sensed or had a feeling that I was probably going to break up with you anyway. Right. He just sped it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I just sort of feel like he probably knew a couple of months ago <laughs> that this was yeah. going to happen. And uh, just kept going along and going along. And, you know, you can say, well, he knew and he should have said something. And people, I used to get this all the time with my column and people would say, well, why can't men just be honest? Or why can't people just be honest about what what, what they want? And th- there's two reasons for that. One, because then they don't get what they want. If we were honest all the time and didn't, you know, lie or, you know, if we weren't a little bit uh, opaque in a sense, we wouldn't mm-hmm. get what we want. And we are inherently selfish creatures. We are right. self-serving. But the other reason, too, is not everybody possesses self-awareness in every aspect. True. And what's funny is that he, he sort of bragged in his profile that his previous boss had said that he, he was the most self-aware person she'd ever met. Mm. And it's like, huh, all right, well... <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know how I feel about that one, but. <laughs> Yay. Yay. So my favorite failure sound. <laughs> my favorite failure sound. So um, I just, I feel like he probably knew what was coming mm-hmm. and uh, was perfectly willing to go along with it until it became an obligation or complicated in any way. Right. Like I was so low maintenance and I'm one of these people that I just don't, you know, as long as I know you're there, I right. don't need to see you all the time. I don't need to hang out with you, you know, once a week, once every 10 days. Great. Cool. And, and it worked like, it just felt like that worked for us because he wasn't needy and I wasn't needy and we didn't need a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. But apparently me sending a text saying, Hey, you, it would have been nice if you had sent me an email saying happy Easter apparently like maybe that triggered something with him. I don't know, but I think that was when he was said, he sort of said, okay, now it's becoming an obligation. Right. I'm now in a relationship and, and I don't want that. So, um, 
I really do want to maintain this this opinion of him that I have, and I do think he's a good guy, but I also think he was a little selfish. Yeah. And uh, I I just feel like you know he said in the email, well, I could have gone along gone on with it, but then it would make it harder down the road. Harder for who? Me or you? Right. You know, like, please don't make it out like you were looking out for me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because like you said, had I not, you know, you could have gone on. You could have kept doing this. So this really wasn't about me. This was about you. So, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I I know I'm going to be okay. And (sighs) I don't know. Uh, But you know me, Barbara. Right? Yeah, I do. Right? You always bounce back. You're right. I do. Always. I can handle this. Oh, my goodness. Please tell me you're not listening to that on repeat. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, but I think the song that came uh, um, "Alone Again Naturally" is the one that came along that came in my head, and that's what I have to stop uh, listening to. It stopped going to because it uh, it made me very sad. But uh, I'm I don't feel the sadness anymore. I'm, I'm mildly annoyed, but for the most part, I'm like, yeah, this was. I'm glad it happened when it happened, right? You know. But speaking of breakups, yeah, um, I sent you an article from the cut and I really like the cut for the articles that they have. And this article, it's a series they have called both sides of a breakup. Oh, and, um, you read this, right? I did. So let me give you the synopsis. Lena and Joe, both 42 knew each other from high school and reunited as adults, each with their own grown up baggage. (laughs) (laughs) So, they kind of go back and forth from Lena to Joe and, you know, and, and hearing their sides of it, both of their sides of it, which I think is a really great concept. Yeah, it is. You know, because people used to always say, should I contact someone and ask why they broke up with me? I'm like, no, because they're going to lie to you. Right. <laughs> so there's really no point to it. So this is a, this is sort of, it, it that's, this is sort of doing that, but it's, uh, people are going to be a little bit more honest because, you know, they're not face to face and whatever. Right. So, uh, a little, here we, here we go. I'm going to read Lena's part. Um, Joe and I went to high school together in New Jersey, and then we reconnected on Facebook about 20 years later. What I remembered about him back then was that he was kind of like a crazy person, but in a lovable way. (laughs) He was very volatile and emotional. Like I remember he ran his car into a car wash, a car wash after a girl broke up with him. There was also something, right. There was also something about a microwave being thrown out the window. Uh Uh-huh. And then she Uh says, but he wasn't a total fuck up. (laughs) He was from a really nice family and he was pretty smart. And he was also a real guy in quotes, tall and muscular and running with a tough crowd, always kind of covered in dirt and wearing a ripped t-shirt. So he's like, sounds like a fucking Herb Ritz model, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, so he didn't really fit into a box, but then I found him mysterious, sexy, and a little bit dangerous. And Joe says, what do I remember about Lena? She was popular, blah, blah, blah. She was a goody, goody. When she Facebook requested me, I was in the middle of a divorce and really happy to hear from her. Ugh. So uh, Lena, now here's something. Lena goes, I had just turned 40. At 39, I ended an eight-year relationship with a man who was never going to marry me. He was an extremely driven investment banker who had a certain lifestyle that wasn't conducive to marriage. Um, something, something I never thought she was pretty sure he cheated on him, cheated on her. Uh, she's dealt with low self-esteem issues. She Facebook Joe, uh, and asked if he wanted to get together. Mostly I did this because he still looked really hot and he had posted something about splitting with his wife. So why not? Like this guy has fucking danger written all over him, right? Yeah. <laughs> because a rational response to a breakup is to drive your car into a car wash. Right. Exactly. Uh, and what it just sounds like uh, it, this is kind of, and this is what I talk about when, when I hear about when, when women talk about how, Oh, I went online and there's so many scammers and there's so many this and so many that. And I say, that's because like they overlook the red flags because they're good looking. Right. This is a really good example of that. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because the red flags were so there. And she was like, yeah, that time he ran his car into a car wash. I mean, he was a kid. What's the big deal? So Joe says, uh, you know, oh, forget about getting coffee. Let's get drinks. And then he says, when she showed up for drinks, she was all dolled up. And I immediately had this feeling that this woman was going to want more from me than what I could give her. But I was also happy to see her again and very attracted to her. So here we have a guy thinking with his dick. I mean, that's basically, yeah. let's, let's summarize that paragraph. Yeah. So he's thinking with his dick and, oh, you know, she's going to want more down the road. But for now, eh, I can deal with it as long as it doesn't get to whatever. Right. So Lena's version of their first date. Super sexy. That was my first thought when I saw him. Super fucking sexy. We had a great first date. He told me about his business, blah, blah, blah. He didn't really tell me about his divorce, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he talked about his kids a lot. And I thought that was really great. And then she said, I really wanted kids at this point, And I would have been happy to being a stepmom, too. Okay, that's whatever. Uh, then Joe kind of drops the bomb in the interview where he says, you know, he and his ex-wife had a ton of problems and they're not proud of how they handled them. We are both guilty of certain things. I don't really want to say much more about it. I own my mistakes. Okay, now this is going to play in <laughs> later in the yeah. story. And uh, Lena says, we started dating dinner once or twice a week. He reminded me of a young Anthony Bourdain. We started sleeping together after the second date, amazing sex. And then she said, <laughs> and then she said, it felt a little bit like high school, all that horny energy and nervousness. He would always pull out, but I would have been fine if he hadn't. Oh, geez. <laughs> now, okay. So very clear. She is on the path. She wants a baby. She wants a baby. Yeah. And she doesn't care if the father is a rage roid machine like Joe, because he looks right. like a Herb Ritz model. Right. Um, let's see. Joe says, I'll be very honest. The Lena thing felt more like a sexual affair than a romantic affair. I honestly thought that's what we both wanted, which contradicts kind of what he said about the first date. But I'll, we'll, I'll, for argument's sake, I'll go with it. Right. And then one night she drank too much and said she loved me and told me to get her pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and, then, and Lena says I felt like an idiot the next morning I was wasted after that we both put, pulled back a little I froze my eggs without telling him we started hanging out every two weeks da, 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 da. she adored his kids she met them a couple times and then he said you know I was really happy to see her with my kids they seemed so cool and, and that's when he kind of and she was right like he kind of started to see her a little differently and like that she could be someone he could fall in love with. Here comes the best part. <laughs> Lena. This is Lena now. The craziest thing happened. I started telling friends from home that I was dating Joe and all this gossip started coming out of the woodwork, that he had anger management issues, that he'd been in prison. My parents had even heard the rumors. I personally hadn't seen anything any seen anything of the sort and he certainly hadn't been forthright about any of it so i confronted him about it and then joe says i knew the day would come when she'd find out about my track record i've been on such a great path for years but i do have a history and i do i did a little time lena was sweet in her approach but she also seemed scared of me i told her the truth about everything hoping we could move on but she dumped me that night she did it over the phone the sad part was I was ready to let her know the real me. I really was. I wasn't trying to keep anything from her. I just had to feel ready. Now, let me preface this. The caveat here is if he was in jail for any kind of domestic violence, he can go fucking crummy a river. I don't, then I have right. no sympathy for him. So let's function under the belief that he was in prison for something like breaking into a store or robbing or whatever, like something that did not involve beating up or assaulting somebody. Yeah. Um, or a, a woman. Let's be honest. Like if a guy, I don't know. I do. I, I have two very different opinions. Like if a man is in prison for beating up a woman, forget it. He's just a piece of shit. If he's right. in prison for beating up a man, depending on the circumstances, like that's when I'd want to go, okay, I want to hear more. Like right. what, what were you defending somebody? You know, I have a, I have a relative who is with a guy who was in prison, but He's in prison for beating up a guy who was beating on a woman. And right. he got thrown in prison. So um, 
there's a lot like we need I think we need a little bit more context. Yeah. And so Lena says as a response, I knew as soon as he confirmed certain things that I'd end it with him. You have to understand, I wasted eight years with a shitty guy. I couldn't risk wasting any more time with someone who had red flags. Could I have been understanding and supportive? Sure, but I'm at a time in my life where my entire future is at stake. I can't mess around. I have to put me first. Now, the red flags were always there. Right. She always knew he had anger management issues, right? Right. Like the red flags were always there, but now that people knew right people knew stuff about him and now oh, prison record like now that it's something concrete that anybody can go online and find there's that embarrassment factor because remember she was with an investment banker for eight years even though he was a total douchewad too right so i don't really buy this whole oh you know red flags bullshit you knew he was you knew he had issues when you started dating him Right. Now you're trying to make it, and I just don't like that. I don't, I, I don't, I feel like she shamed him a bit, but again, if yeah. it was domestic violence, she had every right. But if it wasn't, I think, I just feel like she owed it to him to, to get to know him and to hear his side and, and give him a chance. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just. It I, seems like she's more concerned with what other people were going think. to think. Exactly. Him. Exactly. And yeah. that's a big part of. Um, why, you know, men and women, like men insist on dating women who are a certain body type and who look a certain way. And, you know, women insist on like the women won't date short guys, which I, I can't even fucking deal with when I hear that. Yeah. And it's all about well, what will people think? I want somebody I can right. show off. And if I can't show them off and what, you know, if I date somebody who's, you know, who's like thicker or chunkier or whatever, who isn't like a size six, what will my friends think? Even though they're probably attracted to those women, they're, they're more concerned with the status. Yep. And, how will I look? And one upping somebody else. Yep. Which is unfortunate. And I think that's a, a big part of why so many people struggle with uh, finding somebody. And uh, what was the other one? Joe. So, so she's told him, you know, no, I don't want anything with you. And Joe says, I thought it was kind of cold. It was like she wouldn't allow me to be human with flaws and a history. I was disappointed, but I ultimately didn't want to be with somebody who couldn't love me for who I am. And I didn't want my girls getting close to a new woman who wasn't sure of my character. We all make mistakes. I'm not going to spend the left, my, left, rest of my life apologizing for myself. And then Lena says, it was a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Joe was different and I liked that about him. The sex was the best I'd ever had and his girls are extraordinary young women. But I put myself first and I'm comfortable with that. Uh-huh. Mm. And then Joe says, it happened about a year ago. I'm dating a little bit but just enjoying my family and my work. I'm a little bit afraid of getting closer to someone. After all, that judgment came from Lena. I wish her well, though. She asked me for coffee a few times since she kicked me the curb but I don't want to see her and like start feeling bad about myself. She wants someone with a zero risk factor and I'm not him. And then Lena says, I very often wonder and maybe even regret closing the door on Joe just like that. I've tried to reach out, but he's not interested. I've even drunk dialed him. Oh, <laughs> men, men don't receive typically, men don't typically receive rejection. Well, that, I mean, that's not a men thing. That's a men and woman thing, but okay. Yeah. Like, I get it. I, I understand. Like, yes, they do sometimes get very angry, but this doesn't, sound like he's angry much like i'm just not dealing with you yeah and he said she says i miss the sex i really do i'm actively dating others now i'm online i have a matchmaker so we'll see if my hard work pays off i really want to meet someone and get married and start a family and i do feel the clock is ticking the clock is way ticking she's 42 uh didn't it start off with saying they were both 42 i think they were both are they both 42 hold on Yes, both 42. Yeah, they're both 42. Yep. Yeah, that clock is right <laughs> running out. She's like, but I, I have to put me first and my clock. Well, honey, you were 40 when you met him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it'd be one thing if you were just like, oh, he would have been a fun role in the hay, but like while you were trying to find a relationship, but come on, like this, this woman just keeps contradicting herself. And so does yeah. he throughout the story. Yeah. You know, I just don't, I wish they hadn't gotten the kids involved. Yeah. 
Yeah. As long as she only met them a couple of times and he said, you know, I introduced her as a friend, but kids are, you know, pretty perceptive and and he's right. They are. Um, But this just, you know, I feel like everybody has a past and everybody has a history. Mm -hmm. And especially when you reach a certain age, you know, if you're 42 years old or 40, yeah, people are going to have, they're going to be a little banged up and you can either... Either, either you want to get to know them and hear their story or um, you just want somebody unscathed and he, and you know, Joe sort of says she wants someone with no risk. Right. And it's, and she wants somebody unscathed and she wants somebody that she can show off basically. Like she was basically fucking this guy in private and then right. when it became embarrassing, she was like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. I don't want to do this. And she, and that's basically what happened in this situation. Now, do you think he should have told her up front about his past? Not right away. I mean, I don't, I think when you're first dating somebody, you have the right to have a little privacy, but I mean, when they start, I don't know, they started sleeping together pretty fast, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about it. He, how do you, you should present who you are up front, but if you've changed and if you don't, feel you have those anger issues anymore, you should have a right to be a new person. But yeah, I guess she expected him to tell her right away or tell her tell her on the first date or how do you open with that? Hey, it's great to see you again. It's nice to have coffee and dinner. And oh, by the way, I was in prison. Yeah. You know, like how do you open with that? And don't you reserve that for when a relationship becomes a little more serious or do you not allow a relationship to come become more serious without telling somebody these things? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, know. I think it's a, a case by case. I think you really, it really does depend on the person. You know, I will say that one thing that Don said in his email to me, because I had asked, you know, did it have anything to do with the, with my history of abuse that he knew of? Mm-hmm. And he said in the email that, you know, I felt, I, I greatly admire how you handle this and, you know, I didn't feel like it defined you and you didn't dwell on it. And I, you know, I had no thoughts about it. And, you know, when and if you were will, wanted to talk about it, I, w- I would have been there to listen. Um, so, you know, I waited, I don't know, I think that was like a month and a half in, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I But I was writing about it and I was kind of like, well, if he reads it, he reads it. And then he can ask me. Right. Um. But in- when do you present these things, these very intimate things about yourself? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, as somebody who's written about it online, like, I'm sure, like, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty open. I just don't, um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of assume like you've, you've Googled me, you know about it. I'm not going to make a big thing of it um, unless something happens like with my sister, what happened with the guy, the friend of my sister, that would have been a moment where I was like, look, this happened to me and this is why I reacted. And Mm -hmm. it it really does. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like anybody should be obligated to reveal stuff like that. Like trust us enough to know that we can, we know how to deal with, you know, whether it's mental illness or a physical illness. Like if it's an illness that could affect our, you know, having kids, by all means, be upfront. If it's an STD that could affect somebody else or hurt somebody else, by all means, be upfront. But, you know, this idea that like, when should I tell somebody I have depression? Never. Fuck them. Take your pills. And if you feel like you're having an episode and you need extra support, then tell them. But you're acting like you have a scarlet A, you know, emblazoned on your chest. That's, it's, there's nothing... There's no shame in mental illness. There's no shame in certain physical illnesses, you know? And I just feel like yeah. we shouldn't, we definitely shouldn't judge people based on mental illness or any kind of history of trauma or any physical illness or anything that went down in their family. Right. You know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I just feel like, I feel like people should discuss things when, when they feel comfortable, unless it can affect somebody else. And, you know, obviously, if you have an STD, you, you you disclose that before you have sex or any sort well, of sexual he, contact. Maybe he thought one of two things. Maybe he thought that she had already talked to other people about him right. and didn't care. Right. Or maybe 
you know, he felt this isn't a current situation that's affecting me. Like if he had been in jail within the last year or two, maybe that would have been more important to disclose right away. But if, again, if you feel like that's the person I used to be and I'm not that person anymore, Mm -hmm. maybe that's why he never felt compelled to address it. And I will say more than likely the, the writer of this, the person who, who is, um, transcribing this more than because it's a woman's website, more than likely, uh, Lena told the writer what he was in prison for. And if he was in prison for, you know, domestic violence, my guess is this never would have been made public. Yeah. That's kind of my thought too. You know? So I, I just feel like people should be allowed to discuss their past or their history when they're comfortable and, Mm -hmm. There's it, just because because we're so also accessible now, and there's so much information out there about us. People feel like, well, you should be telling me this right away. Like I used to get letters from women saying, "When is it appropriate for me to ask somebody's salary?" Fucking never. What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, no, you don't ask that. And then the whole credit score thing. Well, they had a credit score of blah 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 blah. Yeah, and for all you know, they were really sick, or they got laid off, or. They started a company and they had to file bankruptcy or they went through a divorce. Like when I right. hear people talk about, oh, and then they had a credit score of and XYZ and then I dumped them. You know who really looks stupid there? You. <laughs> because yeah. you clearly don't understand what can go into a low credit score and what can lead up to that. Yeah. And someone's credit score is not a reflection of their value as a human being. And really, unless you two are going to merge finances, it's none of your fucking business. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So I I guess I feel a little bit bad for Joe. Um, yeah. And Lena comes off a little bit crazy. <laughs> well, she's got an agenda, that's for sure. She definitely had got, an agenda, yeah. And she's got an idea of who fits into that agenda and who doesn't. And good luck. Yeah. And keep in mind, she was more than willing to get impregnated by a guy that threw a fucking microwave out the window and crashed his car into a car wash. Yeah. Mm, you know, it was, it's just that she just didn't, I don't know. It didn't, uh, it wasn't something she could brag about. Uh, back then, she didn't know what other people thought of him. Right. And back then, no one could find out. Right. You know, if we're talking if this was 20 years ago, mm, nobody would have known. Right. You know, it wouldn't have occurred to people to be, you know, skulking online. Um, and I, I get, I feel like people go really way too far with this stuff of, you know, how, how deep should I look? I think, you know, I, like I don't Google men. I just don't do it. Um, I don't feel a need. I trust my gut. I meet them in public. Uh, I don't feel a need to Google people. Um, but it scares me, frankly, when people are like, have you ever done background checks? I'm like, it's, oh my God, you haven't even met this person. Background checks, wow. Yeah, and, oh, I was looking at their social media and I saw pictures of and bah, 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 it's just, that is just too much. I feel like that's yeah. that's just too much. Like you're, Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a past. And if you go looking for it online without context, you're going to find something that that right. bothers you. So just be able to verify that like they are who they say they are. Like ask if they, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Most people are pretty fucking honest. I think I, I just, I keep saying this, you know, we had a recent letter from someone who said all her friends said, not to use online dating or dating apps, and we're transitioning into the next subject, because there are just so many scammers on there. And I said, no, they just meet scammers because they overlook very obvious red flags. Because yeah. those are really the people running into the, for the most part, and I'm not talking about the, like the, what we're going to talk about in a second, you know, talking about the guys who, are other players or they're married or stuff like that, you overlooked some glaring red flags. Right. Because you wanted to, because he was good looking. Same thing with men. Oh, she was just using me for this. Yeah, I guarantee you there was there were signs in her profile. I guarantee you that you went out on five right. dates with her and she wouldn't even so much as kiss you. Like the signs were there and you kept doing it because you liked showing her off. Right. Or because you fell for her or whatever. But 
the signs are there a lot of times and we, and we intentionally overlook them. I think, um, I agree, but now perfect segue. The next article I sent you was Mm -hmm. from a woman who was scammed out of a million dollars by a guy on an online dating site. It's heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. And this isn't just any woman. This is a woman who was an intelligence officer in the in the Air Force, who was a right. bank manager. These are not like you cannot lack critical thinking skills to have to get jobs like this. Right. You ha- and she ran her own business. And she ran her own business. So you can't be this naive, you know, doe in the woods and have these jobs. Right. You know, and we hear these stories and trust me, I am one of the people that reads these stories and I'm like, how the fuck did you not know? Mm. And over the, obviously going through this course now, I, I think that there was something at, at play here that goes, that goes much deeper that people aren't really considering. Um, like this guy was just every couple of months asking her for more and more money, 25,000, 5,000, 2,000. And she just kept giving it to him. And I was kind of like, where the fuck is she getting all this money? Especially when she said she was the treasurer for a school. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah um, I was wondering that too. That immediately just kind of stuck out to me. Um, I hope she's not. I, I, I doubt it. But I'm not just thinking, where the hell is she getting all this money that she can give this guy that you lost a million? You, you were scanned out of a million dollars in two years. She was an old, not an older woman, but she wasn't a young woman. She was only 52. Yeah. That's young as far as I'm concerned. Like, this isn't some 65-year-old in fucking Florida and Tampa and some, you know, like, in some sort of development, you know, like for senior development home or whatever. Um, Right. But we should say that she was definitely in a very vulnerable place in her life. Absolutely. And this is where I'm going. Because this woman is incredibly intelligent. And yet she still kept and she kept giving oh and i went to the i went to the business website that he said he worked for and i called them and they said they'd never heard of him and she still she thought oh well maybe you know he's new there maybe but she made an excuse for it and so i think you know she had just lost her husband suddenly and that is that kind of trauma can Mm -hmm. have such an impact on your brain i agree and on specifically on your prefrontal prefrontal cortex. I'm learning this now. That's your reasoning center. And when you go through trauma and you experience trauma over extended time and and grief, intense grief. Every you know, trauma mm-hmm. isn't just war, trauma isn't just assault. Trauma is anything that causes you intense distress. And grief as we know, I mean, grief has no timeline. It has no expiration date. Right. So I I truly believe that it's very possible her brain was affected by the trauma and her reasoning was affected. That's the only thing that could that really makes sense to me. Right. And I mean as the article went on they talked about how this guy has was a pro. I mean he quote unquote introduced her to his sister and to his 10-year-old and to all these people in his family and she genuinely believed she was talking to them. Yeah. She genuinely believed she was as invested in his life as he was in hers and that he, she had said he had become such a huge part of her life that she had felt that he was someone he could, she could talk to and she could trust and she could, you know, again, she thought she met his child and his sister and just the, the way she was played at a very vulnerable time in her life, you know, it, it gave you way more sympathy than just what are you stupid? How could this have happened to right. you? Right. It's it's not as simple as that. However, I'm going to say in the beginning, I think that trauma affected her ability to reason. Yeah, I agree. But at a certain point, I think she was very aware of what was going on and was paying this guy, not because she loved him, because I think she loved her husband. She was right. paying this guy because she didn't want to lose the connection. Right. And I don't think we talk about loneliness enough and how profound it can be and what it can lead us to do. So I don't think she had, and nowhere in this article does she say, I just started developing deep feelings for this man. She never says that. She even refers to him as her buddy at one point. Right. 
she was just, she just like, this is goes back to what I was saying in the beginning of the show. I don't like, I don't need to have someone by my side all the time. Just knowing that they're there is, is really everything to me. If I only see them once every 10 days or once a week, I'm totally fine with that. And I think with her, I think it was just that, that intimacy, that, that mm-hmm. relationship with someone where she could probably, when she had a shitty day, she could tell him, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think we underestimate the power of that yeah, quite a bit. The power of being heard. The power of being heard, the power of being seen, the power of uh, connection. You know, we are, yeah. we are a very isolated society now because everybody sort of hides behind their computers now. Yeah. Um, but I feel like she, at some point she kind of knew, you know, mm-hmm. and she says in the article, like she went to her parents at one point and they gave her a hundred thousand dollars. And she said, yeah. th- that's really the, the one thing I, the, the money I really regret because my parents were in their eighties and I'd love to see that money in their account. And what was shocking to me was when she took this to the FBI and the FBI was like, yeah, don't know what to tell you. You know, he's there, you're here. We can't, unless he comes here, we can't do anything about it. And also she gave the money willingly and she, he didn't steal, he didn't steal it from her. He didn't coerce her. She gave it willingly. So she's screwed. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, which is just, uh, just kind of really just kind of sad. And, uh, I, I just think there's more to it. I think there's more it's because you read the comments on the article and there's this one sort of rabid troll who's like, Oh my God, she's so stupid. And I'm sure like a year ago, I'd been like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. How did you not see this? Right. Um, but it's not as simple as, Oh, they were just so stupid. It's more like they were vulnerable. They were grieving. They were lonely, mm-hmm. you know, and, and these people do. And I always say to people when I would review their profiles, I would always tell people, do not ever, don't say you're new in town. Don't say you're fresh out of a relationship. Don't say you're a widow or widower. Yeah. And and be on the lookout for people who say they're widows or widowers, because those are the ones, those are the scammers, because they're getting, yeah. they're trying to draw you in. And if they're mm-hmm. not scammers, then if they, if you mention stuff like that in your profile, you're, and, and you're automatically making yourself vulnerable. It's the same thing as, you know, putting those disclaimers of not here for a hookup. You're, right. you're basically putting a target on your back when you say not here for a hookup, because what you're saying is I've been misled and I've fallen for it and I'll fall for it again. Right. That's why people shouldn't do that, you know, because you're giving yourself away. It's sad that we live in the kind of times that you have to protect yourself in that way and not let, but then again, we're coming back to that whole, when do you let people know these things? You know what I mean? Like how much do you put on a dating profile? I've never done online dating, so I don't know, but I I wouldn't even know where to begin to figure out if God forbid something happened to my husband and I wanted to dip into the pool of online dating. I wouldn't even begin to know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, what I always would tell people is to paint a picture, um, be carry, be very careful about the words you use and the descriptors that you use, because, you know, and especially if you give out your name and you have a unique name, like I have a unique name. And um, if you have a name and it's associated with a certain career field or whatever, it's very easy for people to find out who you are. Um, so that's why you have to be very careful about what you say in your profile and you can't give any specifics and you shouldn't be doing that anyway because you know, you don't want people knowing your parents' names or your sister's names or your dog's names because those are common passwords. Yeah, that's true. So you, that's true. you want to be really careful about like, look, there's nothing I can do if there's obituaries out there with my family, with my names on, on them, you know, but you don't want to spoon feed it to people. Right. I guess is what I'm saying. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. And just, I wouldn't go too heavily into anything. Like people would always ask me, what do I say if I'm out of work or if I'm sick or if I'm, and I would say, don't announce that in your profile. You you say that once you're in, once you start engaging in, in email communications, once you mm-hmm. feel this person can be trusted, don't just hand that information out. 
and say, yeah. well, I was laid off from my job a few months ago and I find myself with time and don't say that. Because people, again, it's kind of goes back to the Lena thing. Without context, people are going to judge you. Yeah. That's just who we are as a society, you know? Right. Oh, I live with, you know, I live with three roommates I, and I'm the first person to judge somebody on that. But there could be a reason for that. <laughs> you know, like right. I'm saving up to buy a house. Right. And this is really cheap. And, you know, I'm trying to pay off my school loans. Give somebody a chance to tell their story because everybody has a story. And in, as mm -hmm. far as your profile goes, your, your story is, is very private and it's unique to you. So don't give away the unique stuff too easily in a profile. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to, you don't want anyone to be able to find you, but you also, I don't know, you, you want to, you, you don't want anybody to be scared off either. And that's, I guess. And when I say unique, I mean, um, you know, I recently lost my job or I have a certain illness or whatever, like let people sort of find that out, uh, when you talk to them. Uh, so one last thing before we go, mm -hmm. and I didn't send you this because I just found it, um, today and okay. <laughs> it's one of those, um, I found my friend's husband or boyfriend on a dating app uh, and what should I do? <laughs> it's one of those. Oh boy. Yeah. It's one of those stories and I need to read it because uh, there's just something about it that just really, really bothered me about it. Um, okay. So I just got a text from a friend who was on the Bumble dating site. It's not a dating site, by the way. It's an app, but whatever. She went, she sent me a photo of a guy who reached out to her asking if he was the boyfriend of a mutual friend. He is. Now I have to tell my friend of 40 years that her boyfriend is on dating sites. Ugh. Any words of wisdom, women? Uh, here's one. Stay the fuck out of it. Here's two. Yeah. If you're mutual friends, how about you let the person who found him tell her? Why are you so eager to do it? Yeah, that's a fair question. And there's this sense of glee in this post. And this is uh, that just really, really rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before, you know, yeah. dating apps and dating sites, people need to understand that you can put a profile on a dating app and you could then uninstall the app three months later. Your profile is still there. That's why right. when people and people are still are matching, like they're swiping and they're getting a ton of matches and then they're emailing them, but they're not emailing back. They're not emailing back because they're not using the app anymore. These right. apps intentionally keep up inactive profiles. I literally came across a guy that was dead. Oh no. Yeah. He had died like six months earlier. It was all over on, on my Facebook page. And I contacted them and I said, um, I'm pretty sure he's inactive. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's, uh, he's inactive. I don't mean to be, you know, but <laughs> And I explained, I said, you know, I showed them the, the Facebook and they, I guess they took his profile down, but he had been on there in months and his profile was still there. So you can't automatically assume somebody's cheating because that profile could literally be like a year or two old. Or the picture could be stolen. Or the picture could be stolen. Like at this point, I would say it's a 50, 50 chance that they're, that they're cheating. Right. You know, that's why I always say like, go to the guy first and be like, Hey, um, yeah. just so you know that I know <laughs> that you're doing this. Right. And so he could either say, I don't use this anymore. Uh, I, I took that down years ago. My profile must still be up there, but at least he knows somebody out there knows. And it's like, dude, fix this, knock it off yeah. or I'll say something. Yeah. That way you don't have to go and blow up this woman's life because if he's not cheating, the chances of her believing him, especially when She's, you know, hearing all these stories about, oh, the cheaters and the scammers and the this and the that. She's, she might never forgive him and you might completely ruin somebody's relationship. Yep. I totally agree. Do you, Barbara? Totally agree. No, I really do. <laughs> I don't have a sound effect to prove it, but. <laughs> what would, what, what, totally what would be a good sound effect for that? I don't. Uh... Oh yeah. Well, screw you guys. I'm going.
Uh, no? How about... Yeah. <laughs> I have so much fun with the soundboard. Okay, Barbara. Great show, great job. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. That's right. That's us. <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to go and you know, get some frozen yogurt and bury myself under my comforter and, you know, just sort of handle it the best way I can, I, I suppose. I don't. And not listen to that Celine Dion song. Why not, though? It's so good. Come on, man. You ready for it? It's coming in. It's coming in. It's coming in. Bazinga. That's almost as pathetic as that poster of the kitty hanging on saying, hang in there. <laughs> yes, it is. I agree. All right. Peep. It's an audio version of that. It's an audio version of that. Oh, Barbara, this was a good show. People, thank you for listening. And thank you very much for the five-star reviews on iTunes and the emails. Um, you know, I wrote something very briefly on the site last week about how Don and I had broken up. And a couple people emailed me saying, oh, I was really rooting for you. And so thank you very much. I I don't think people understand just how much I appreciate when someone takes a, a, a moment out of their day to let me know that they're thinking of me. That means the absolute world to me. And thank you very, very much. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Women on Top Pod. Follow us on Instagram, Women on Top Podcast. Go to their website, womenontoppodcast.com. I update it every couple of days with dating advice columns and personal essays. Follow us on Patreon. And um, yeah. Guys, thank you so much, and we will. We're on all of your all of your platforms, all of your podcast platforms: Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, SoundCloud. <sighs> oh boy, <laughs> I just I don't know. Guys, thank you so so much, and we'll be back soon. Hold on. Oh no, see, I missed the I missed the cue. Oh, here we go.